I was at the congregation last year, and uh, a very overwhelming experience. It was a very tech-savvy congregation, young people, highly tech-savvy. And when the service leader said, let's turn to the scriptures, everyone had a Bible. It took me back during the time when we used to meet at Vikram Hotel and Pastor Reed, without fail said, it's music to the pastor's ears when he hears the pages of the Bible ruffle. James in chapter five takes us through several aspects of our life. And when I was asked to look at this passage, I said, goodness grief, I could be here for a whole year just in chapter five, looking at what James shares from there. So as we together look at this, it's a highly condensed version, seems fragmented, but we'll try to work our way through it. Father in heaven, pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, our Lord and our Redeemer. One verse only in the whole passage is where James refers to the coming of the Lord. And the song that was in the video right in the beginning, The King is Coming, was written in the early 70s. And the message so powerful and clear the king is coming, and is coming for me. With that as the point of reference, with that as the ultimate reference, the call in James 5 is to align ourselves to reality of life. Does my life reflect the fact that I am the child of the king? Does it show in every way that I am his and he's coming for me? James starts off by dealing with the perils of wealth. Our focus when we pray, we seek to be blessed. And if we look closely at what we pray for, we seek blessing, and our blessing is more or less always aligned with our material possessions. We seek blessing, and we always evaluate with 
material values. And this he takes up further and puts in that this becomes the guiding post, the ultimate peak of our achievement and direction of our lives. We measure it with that. And that is why he points out where it refers to saying, look, because you have wealth, do not behave as if you own the world. I'm paraphrasing it here, as if you own the world. You know, what happens is, once a person increases in wealth, it becomes materially stable, seemingly. He tends to behave as if he owns everything and everyone. Everything and everyone. In my own life, I know I've been guilty of it at times, where because of what I have makes me feel, makes me believe that I can dominate. And because I can dominate, I can demand. And with that comes the arrogance and pride and James writing in chapter 4, we were reminded last week, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Morality failures are linked very closely with the stability that we feel with material possessions. Flashback into history. I did history many, many, many years ago, but things that stand out are the failures of the Greek Empire, the failures of the Roman Empire, the failures of the Mughal Empire, and you can go down the whole list, are always linked with wealth and wealth and food and food because we think we don't need anything more. It begins to degenerate degrade and take us towards our fall. I caution myself that I do not attach value to what I have than to what I can give and whose I am. Not what I am or who I am, but whose I am. That is the value that's going to last. That's the value that's going to carry me forth. That's the value that we can bless others with. If our attachment, if, if our evaluation of being blessed is beyond the material, beyond the tangible, beyond that which we can count. We are more blessed because we don't lose out on anything. You know, we suffer with a disease that you won't find in the medical analysis. And I find myself guilty of this too. It's called accumulitis. We accumulate. How many times have you 
like me, said, like, I've got to get rid of things. I've got too much. I go to the cupboard, I take out everything, and two hours later, how much have I taken out to give away or throw away? I think less than 1%. We accumulate because our, you know, we, we tend to put value to that more than they should be. This accumulitis leads us into the insufficient syndrome. If only I have that, or if only I have what he has, I will be the happiest person. Last week we were reminded of that too, living up with the Joneses. We feel empowered when we have, we feel that we can dominate and overrule others. And this is what gets carried into our households. James talks about that, about dealing with our servants, dealing with our house helps, with dealing with those who do not have as much as we have. And we tend to place so much value on that. It reminds me of a song that in my very early years used to hear, I think it was probably 19, late 1950s or somewhere there, Jaiga Jab Jahanse. When you leave this earth, you will take nothing with you. Only two yards of clothing to cover you in your burial. That's the reality of life. The king is coming. All this is not going to matter anything over there. What we are, what we have is inside and what, we are, what carries us over is our relationship with a master. The psalmist in Psalm 39, 5 writes, each man's life is but a breath he heaps up wealth, accumulators, not knowing who will get it. Heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. Matthew records of a young rich ruler coming to Jesus and saying, how do I get eternal life? Jesus talks to him and explains to him that keep the law on one, two, three, four, five, and he says, I've got them, I've, I've got it all covered. And Jesus said, go sell everything that you have. And Matthew records, and the man went away saddened because his attachment to what he could count was far greater than what he was seeking. These were the perils of wealth. Next part deals with patience. Somebody has said patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Seldom found in woman, but never in a man. Guilty, but 
it carries a cross. I remember seeing a wall plaque at the home of a very dear friend years ago. Said, God, give me patience, but hurry. God, give me patience, but hurry. On my demands, when I ask, not when I need. Along with the patience comes the suffering part. We deal, we look at the life of Job. He patiently endured. Satan was given authority over everything that Job had, but not his life. And in all that he went through, in all the losses, God taught patience not only to Job, when we read it, if it does not shake us to reality of life on earth, I don't know what will. The country of Israel, after the people had been liberated from all the slavery that they had been taken to, the captives that they had been taken to, you know, taken into exile, everything. It wasn't until 1948 that Israel became to own, came, Israel come to have land that it would call itself a country physically. But during that period when the Jews celebrated Passover annually. You know what was the last phrase that was shared among them? Anyone? After celebrating Passover, next year in Jerusalem, year after year after year of being oppressed deluded, and looking at reality where they couldn't see the land that would be theirs next year in Jerusalem. How many have seen the film Fiddler on the Roof? Few. This is there. The family celebrating Passover at the end of it next year in Jerusalem. My Jerusalem could be now. What about yours? We ask God for patience. God puts us in a certain, among circumstances where we are faced with trials and issues and troubles. Why? Streams in the desert. As a devotional book that I was, to me, became parallel with the Bible almost in my early days as I came to know the Lord. First February reading. For he that touches you touches the apple of my eye. Have you not asked to be made humble? See then, I have placed you in the very school where this lesson is taught. 
your surroundings and companions are only working out my will. Are you passing through a night of sorrow? <coughs> this thing is from me. I am the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. I have let earthly comforters fail you, that you, by turning to me, you obtain everlasting consolation. So when your colleagues try your patience out and you feel like the nearest rock to be in your hand, God give you patience in a hurry. Learn in the circumstances he has placed you to make you and mold you. Life's never been promised easy. Life has its ups and downs. The more you put numbers to your birthdays, the more you realize it. Come with me in your minds to 1970, the month of May, not the heat of Delhi, but come to Seychelles. And I, the island of Mahe, in the middle of Indian Ocean, 1,600 kilometers east of Mombasa in Kenya, and about 2,200 kilometers southwest of Bombay, Mumbai. On this afternoon of May, an elderly man stood in the sea. clothed, lifted up his hand to me standing on the beach and said, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you walk through the waters, they will not flow over you. When you walk through fire, it will not change upon you. I walked into that ocean to be baptized. It was six months after I had committed my life to the Lord. And it was like all hell broke loose the next day. That was in reality when I learned what Isaiah writes. When you walk through the waters, it will not overflow you. When you walk through fire, it will not singe upon you. Only, you know, we say, Lord, you know, protect me from this. He said, get in there. How do you know the water is wet? Until you get in there. How do you know it's deep? Until you are in there. How do you know that you can't swim or cannot swim? It's only when the water overflows you. But he says, it will not overflow you, for I, your God, am with you. When you walk through the fire, it will not singe upon you. You don't know how hot that flame is. You know, when, on the gas stove, when they the flame is high and your hand goes over it, what happens? 
you feel burned, but what happens to the hair? They more or less disappear. They singed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were put into the fire, heated up seven times the furnace heat. And when the king and his satraps had the covers removed to look in to see what has happened, then the king says, are you there? Are you okay? Are you still, is, is the God who you claim to be your God been able to save you? And the Bible records that they, was, they, they were not singed. There was not even smell of fire on them. That God of Shadrach, Misha, and Abednego has not changed. He's available to you and to me today. Ours is to claim. We talked about perils of wealth. We talked about patience and suffering. And this God is there in the midst of it. It's not just a story that we read and forget before we close the book. We live in it. We take it. We digest it. Let it come through every pore. He is coming for you and for me. Isaiah writes in chapter 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, to wait. 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 Some of us who have had children, small, come and ask you for something and said, wait, and you see the feet? You see how stable they stand? No, they, they're anxious. They go, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. Wait, 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 no. God, give me patience. Help me to wait. It's easier to carry out an activity than to wait. <coughs> when we ask somebody else for help and we're asked to wait, we know it's coming. We can see activity. With God, we don't see the activity, and that's where our faith is put into put to test. To act, to, the, the action is required, but we believe that it is going to happen. Faith is the substance of thing. No, oh, hang on. Faith is the substance of faith. Of it's, it's a hope for and evidence of things not seen. I'm having senior moments. And in that waiting, when the Lord gives, 
no holds barred that experience that blessing which is poured out completely fills us is beyond what can be imagined beyond what can be counted one thing that comes to mind about be still and waiting is in psalm 46 there it says wait be still and know that he is god how many have seen 10 commandments not the new version no 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 i'm talking about the ones that was made in 1960s one the actor charlton haston acts out as moses here he's led the people of israel out of bondage they're standing at the red sea the armies of pharaoh behind them mountains on either side and moses turns to the people with a staff in his hand and says stand still and see the salvation of god and that is so vividly etched in mind yes an actor standing out there showing his prowess of an actor but the message of god coming loud and clear stand still and see the salvation of god when nothing seems possible that will lift you from the pit that you find yourself in god reaches deep inside lifts you up to heights that you'll never imagine we dealt with perils of wealth we deal with patience and how god uses that to reach out to us be patient and stand firm do not grumble against one another do not judge you know we 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 are we are great at that becoming judges in fraction of a second we don't need to learn the law we are judges we don't need a collegium to be appointed we are judges but matthew writing says do jesus according jesus do not be judged matthew 7 for with the measure that you judge others you will be judged and james that one verse says behold the judge is at the door his coming the king is coming he is the ultimate judge there is none other i need to align myself with him and because he is the ultimate authority james in one phrase says do not swear i'm not talking about the cursing part i'm talking about do not take the name of the authority above you lightly what do i say if i need to claim the authority of a higher being or a higher authority to to hold to get 
to give weightage to what my statement is, that I and what I'm saying is not trustworthy. I have no value. My statements have no value. I don't mean what I'm saying, so trust somebody else. Some of the earliest lessons I remind, I'm reminded of by my father used to say, Jaan jai par vachan na jai. You lose your life, but not your word. And that carried over here is that do not swear. I do not need to claim the authority of something higher to vouch for what I am saying. I am standing on the promises of Christ my King. And because I am His, my word has value. Because it is he who is speaking through me there. Let's move on. It talks about prayer. It talks about faith and result. And calls the church to supportive action. There's a song that we came across in Bill Guyther's musical videos. Will you stand with me when you are down on your knees? When you are talking to Jesus, will you mention me? Will you stand with me when you are down on your knees? When you are talking to Jesus, will you mention me? It is not hot here, rumbling and rambling and wandering meaninglessly through me and meandering like a stream or a river with nothing, no, going nowhere, lacking conviction. You are in the throne room of God Almighty. When you're down on your knees, you plead like there's no tomorrow. Touch the heart of God. You feel it and those around you know you have touched God. I was in a congregation a few months ago, not far from here, a time of congregational prayer. I think this lady must have been about 75 years old. She stood up frail. As she led out in prayer, you knew she had touched the heart of God right there and then. The power that was present in that room was unbelievable. We are called to pray. We're called to prayer. And you know, I am more guilty of this than anybody else in the room here. When I say to you, where you share your need, and I say, I'll be praying for you, and I don't, we take it so lightly, and yet that platform that we have has the highest authority in the entire world because we have the King of Kings listening to us. And because of that fact, we have the access to the one 
who gives life and life eternal. Many world leaders, emperors, have not been afraid of armies <coughs> or enemies of this earth, but of the people who dared to get down on their knees to pray to the living God. One such person that is always quoted is John Knox. When he got on his knees, Mary of Scots of Scotland feared like nothing else. John Hyde in Punjab and look deeper. You'll find them. That is our court of appeal on our knees in the throne room of God. As, Paul, as James talks about when you're in is somebody in need, pray, prayer of faith. Along with that, Sergeant reminded us of our faith without works is then. Church is called for supportive structure, coming together to lift one another up. About four years ago, or was it five? Somebody we know lost their daughter when she was two weeks old. The wife comes from a Hindu background, but in the faith now. A statement that she's made often Had it not been their congregation and church coming together to be with them and support them during that time, they would have had no meaning to life. The congregation members took turns to be with them, sit with them, cry with them, weep with them, mourn with them, live with them, give, provide food, structure, complete support as it could be. That's what makes us stand apart from the others who claim to be, and yet we can be that evidence of God on earth. Our family went through a very dark patch more than 20 years ago. And church came together to support. One young man lived with us for a whole month. At times there was nothing to do, but he was there. And that stands out. And that's where it comes to supportive structure within the church. It can be a lifestyle, but it needs work. It can be an imaginary thing and it will evaporate. And if your faith does not produce that supportive structure within the church to reach out and support, 
there's work to be done. Faith. Charles Wesley wrote a song, Faith mighty, faith the promise sees and looks to God to that alone, laughs at impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. And cries, it shall be, shall be done, and cries, it shall be done, laughs at impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. Reminds me of Elijah. After slaughtering the prophets of Baal on Carmel, sends his servant out, he said, go, check the sky. He said, nothing. Now prior to this, he had told Ahab, there will be no rain. There'll be famine in the land until I say so. <clears throat> he sent his servant out. First time, no cloud. Second time, no cloud. Third time, no cloud. He sends him out again and again and again. Seventh time, the servant comes. Ha! There's a cloud over there, size of the, the, hand, size of the palm of the hand. And he says, run. Tell Rahab, rain's coming. Faith. Prayer. I draw another share with you another illustration. At college, a friend of mine and I had made a commitment to an unbeliever in town that we will be meeting him for lunch. It was an a opportunity for testimony. We were to be there for lunch on Saturday. Friday evening, my friend and I counting our Paisas, at that time it was Paisas, not rupees we dealt with. We needed 25 Paisas to go to, for a bus ticket for each of us. We didn't have it. And this guy says to me, he says, you know what? There are enough faculty members on the campus with electrical gadgets on. We pray that something will break down and we'll fix that up and we'll get and before I could respond to it, he was on his knees pleading the Lord to break down at least two gadgets so we would be, we'd be reimbursed for it. <laughs> I can't stop laughing myself about this, but this happened. This is true. And, and this guy says, Lord, two gadgets is all we need. And before he, and I said, in Jesus' name, amen. There was a knock on the door. There was a four-and-a-half-year-old girl at the door. He said, Uncle, Daddy's asking, can you come? Our washing machine has, and, and our uh, oven has broken down. If you could repair it for us. Hey, did you say two gadgets? We went, fixed them up. There was one more that was added to it while we were working at it. Fixed it up. We were given enough money for meeting a lot of other needs, plus the bus fare for that commitment. Trusting God to a point where you are dealing with him moment by moment. If that can happen to me almost 50 years ago, it can happen now. Reach out and restore is the last part in the passage. 
Environment of grace requires practice. Environment of grace goes beyond the judgment seat that we sit on so quickly, so often, totally unqualified, and yet we pronounce judgments. There's perils of wealth, there's patience and suffering, and there's faith that's required to come to the throne. Knock on the throne room of God. Plead. He is there to listen, reach out, and touch. Father in heaven, your word, yours alone. May your spirit have taken these few moments of meditation and blessed the hearts. Pray that you would minister to me more in Jesus' name. Amen.